So uh, how I started working with animals was I was working at a nonprofit after college and um, I'd been doing that for three years. That was um, a cancer organization and I uh, was crying every single day before work and um, just could not, I couldn't handle it anymore. And I um, just thought to myself, you got to do something else. You can't do this to yourself they would monitor your calls. So I never knew when someone was listening to me and like you would get judged on how you said things and it had to be perfect. And it was just uh, a little too stressful for me. So I just thought, well, you know, I need to do something else. What do I like? I said, well, I like animals. And um, I just adopted a dog from the Austin Humane Society. And I thought they were all really cool because they had piercings and colored hair and tattoos. And they were really friendly. And I thought, oh, that seems like a really cool place to work. They happen to have an adoption counselor job. So I applied for that. Um, so I started at the bottom at an animal shelter. I was working mostly with cats, but I really prefer dogs. So I decided to move to animal care after about a year and a half of doing adoptions. Then after about six months of that job, my supervisor left. So I became the animal care supervisor. And then, so I worked at the Austin Humane Society for seven years. And I just got to a point where I felt like I couldn't learn anything anymore. Um, there was no one there that knew any more than me about behavior. We didn't have a trainer on staff. I was pretty much the behaviorist. Um, so I wanted to keep doing it, but I also wanted to make sure I was doing it the best way possible. And I wanted to learn more. And we had this uh, trainer that would come and help us evaluate dogs when we didn't really know what to do with them or weren't sure if they were safe. She'd come and do a free eval for us and I just asked her if she took apprentices and she did. So that was um, when I decided to leave the Humane Society and I went and started doing training with her at night for free. So I worked for her for free for a while, learning how to train people um, and help them train their dogs. To get certified as a dog trainer, you have to do 300 hours worth of it could be a behavior consult it could be teaching a class so that can be private lessons but it has to be some form of teaching a person how to train their dog and then you also have to get a couple of veterinarians to sign off that you will abide by the methods that this particular certification which is the cpdt the certified professional dog trainers they follow certain guidelines. Uh, we don't use um, methods that will cause pain to the dog or fear. We follow certain hierarchies. So you have to have people that will stand up and say that you do use those positive methods. Then you uh, qualify to go ahead and take the pretty long couple hour test that they give you, which focuses on theory and how to train owners and how you would deal with different problems. Once you take that, as long as you pass, then you're actually certified. And something a lot of people don't know about certification for dog trainers is that it's actually not required to be a dog trainer. A lot of trainers out there don't have certification. Those of us that do have certification, we feel pretty strongly about 
there should be some regulation in the dog training industry. There should be some kind of controls over what people are teaching. Anybody can call themselves a dog trainer or a dog behaviorist. And that could just be somebody that uh, taught themselves. Maybe they grew up having dogs and they think that they're good at training them. So they can just call themselves a dog trainer and open a business. And there's really no, there's no checks and balances to make sure that they actually know what they're doing. So with these different certifications, you have to prove that you have done a certain amount of practical work and that you understand the theory um, so that there's some kind of quality control before you go out and, and call yourself a dog trainer. I worked for her for about seven years, learning how to train people um, and help them train their dogs. When I got to that 300 hours, that's when I kind of told her uh, I felt like it was time for me to move on. I wanted to get out of Austin. The environment at the shelters there is pretty toxic uh, with all the different groups, kind of a lot of infighting. The no-kill movement moved in and there's different factions of people um, that believe different things and it was just very unpleasant and there was only a few shelters in the area so I didn't have a lot of choices of where I could go to. So if I want to work in a shelter I'm going to have to move and Asheville is similar to Austin in some ways. Uh, it's a lot smaller but it's so beautiful. The weather is amazing. I was like, I'm moving to Asheville and, um, you know, I, this job just popped up on, on Indeed and I was like, oh my God. It, I was drawn to the area mostly um, and I just think it was really awesome that this small little shelter wants, thinks enough about what I do that they felt like it was important to have this position because a lot of shelters don't have a trainer on staff they don't really think they need one so to me it said a, it said a lot about the shelter that they thought that that was important there's some good trainers out there it's just hard if you if you don't know what you're doing how how do you know what's good or bad so when you're looking for information on the internet do not go to forums do not go to Facebook and ask people on Facebook. <laughs> well, they're just normal people. They're not experts. I mean, they can, of course, tell you about their own experiences, but that doesn't necessarily mean that it's based in any kind of actual knowledge. I used to be part of some dog training groups on Facebook, and just the advice that people were giving each other, I was just um, becoming very anxious about what people were telling each other. I mean, there's some things you can tell people and if it's wrong, it's not the end of the world and maybe their dog will get it, maybe they won't. But there's sometimes when dogs are showing aggressive behaviors and people are giving them advice, you know, to push the dog on its back or do other kind of domination type maneuvers, I get really scared that someone's going to get hurt. And I don't think people really understand what they're telling other people could end up really seriously hurting them. Um, it could end up not ending well for, for the dog. I take it very seriously when I'm giving people advice. I always do a lot of research before I call people or before I write emails to just make sure I'm looking at all the methods possible that I could be using, looking at it from every angle, um, giving them good resources. 
So yeah, I, when people call me and they say, Oh yeah, I looked it up on Google and I'm just like, please don't just call me. You know, that's kind of what I think my job is. It's kind of to help you wade through what is nonsense and what is real. There's a lot of TV shows, which give really terrible advice that really, you know, I've met a lot of people and talked to a lot of people and some very nice people that, um, say that they watch those shows and they have no idea that there's anything wrong with it. I'm not, as a professional trainer, supposed to say anything negative about another trainer, so I just have to nicely try to guide them to some other methods, methods that I would prefer. I feel like people are scared to go to dog trainers. Maybe they're scared it's going to cost too much or that they're embarrassed about their dog, and I certainly understand that. You're not going to get any better if you don't ask for help. So, you know, even dog trainers have to ask for help sometimes. So I just want people to not be ashamed to say, um, I'm having this problem and I don't know what to do about it. Can, can you give me some advice? The main responsibilities of my job at the Blue Ridge Humane Society, I'm the behavior and training manager, would be first I evaluate dogs to bring into the program. So I get to go to other shelters and look and see what dogs they have. And I get them out and I do a little short evaluation just to kind of get to know them and handle them a little bit and get a feel for their personality. I feel like I've been doing this long enough that I can spend 10, 15 minutes with the dog and have a pretty good idea of what what they're like, how difficult it'll be to find them a home. Um, So I'll go and pull dogs from those shelters and write up their evaluations and I write behavior plans for them if they need them. So if they've got any special needs that adopters should know about before adopting them, you know, we can't guarantee this is a shelter. It's an artificial environment. It's not a home. So the dog is not going to be exactly like what we're seeing now, but I think there is some truth to how a dog is behaving in a shelter. Some of that is going to be how they are in a home. I don't think it's completely false. All we can do is tell them what we are seeing. Dogs in a shelter are not like-owned dogs. I kind of forgot this after I'd been doing private work for a while. They're just a lot more wild, (laughs) to be really honest. Not all shelter dogs, but they're just really ready to get out of their cage. They're very excitable. They're just rearing to go, and they're just a little bit harder to handle. You have to be a problem solver and try to figure out how do we get this dog into a home, you know, despite whatever the, the problems it may be showing. I pulled a dog recently that was um, basically doing backflips in his kennel. He was so stressed out, he was barking, just nonstop, flipping around, just really terrible kennel presence. Not aggressive, but just obviously really, really stressed. So I was like, well, I'll take him if I can find him a foster first, which I did. And he's like the perfect dog in his adoptive home, like so well behaved, not crazy, doesn't bark a lot. He was just really stressed out but those kind of dogs just don't show well in a shelter so it's really satisfying to me to to see that dog get better find the the right home for them and then to call the people and they love them so much and they're just really enjoying that dog and they want to do the best for them
So mostly it's uh, supporting our staff and the adopters and making sure everybody is going into the situation with a clear head. I also think of myself as a psychologist a little bit uh, because I don't think people realize how stressful it is to adopt a dog. Uh, I think a lot of times they think that the dog is not a good fit, but it's really just doing normal dog things and they just don't know how to deal with it. Um, so letting them know that that's all normal and it will get better. So that's kind of my my role is to hold their hand and tell them it's okay. If you need to cry on my shoulder, that's all right. I know where you've been. It will get better. Let me help you. Sometimes I help them realize that it's not the dog for them, which would seem, you know, like counterintuitive to my job. But if it's just not a good fit, there's no shame in that. And we can find you a better fit. I don't want people to feel like they're a bad person just because it's not the right dog for them. It's that's fine. You know, we can find you a, a dog that works for you. So all I really care about is that it's a happy match for people and for dog. And in my experience, the, that right home is out there for most dogs. I feel like people listen as much as they want to and then stop at a certain point when it sounds like it's too much. Some people they come into it with a level of respect and they understand that I know more than them and they're very open to what I have to say. If people say to me, I don't, I don't know if I can do that or that, you know, I can't do that because X, Y, and Z, that's okay. I would rather them tell me that they can't do it for some particular reason. And so I can try to help them figure out something that might work for them because not everything is going to work for everyone. There are other people that come into it thinking that they are a dog trainer and they won't listen to anything I have to say. And I always ask myself, why are you calling me if you don't want to hear what I have to say or you're not going to try it or you already know everything? I have never understood people that don't know that they don't know everything there's nothing wrong with not knowing everything. To me, it's a sign of that you do have knowledge if you're willing to say, I don't know everything. I know a lot um, and I've studied for a long time. And, you know, I studied really long because I wanted to do the best job that I could. So, you know, it's hard when you feel like people are being dismissive. That's the frustrating part. It's like, I want to help. I can help. But if you don't do anything that I'm asking you to do, it's not going to help. You're not going to see any difference. Then the dog is going to end up coming back. And then I'm going to feel really guilty about it. Like I didn't do everything I could, but I can't make people do things. I actually don't like saying I'm a dog trainer. I usually say I'm a, a behavior manager because I don't, I don't do as much dog training is what people would think. It's more, it's a lot more human training. And I talk to uh, people who want to be dog trainers. And my first question is, oh, why did you decide you wanted to be a dog trainer? And it's always, I don't really like people. I like dogs. And I just have to tell them, I hate to break it to you, but that's, there's not a lot of actual training of dogs. It's mostly training the humans. 
how to train their dogs. There are some jobs we can do like board and train, or I used to do day training where you'd go to people's houses during the afternoon and um, train their dog, but you still have to train them because they're the ones living with the dog. I'm not living with it. So it'll be perfectly behave for me, but if they don't know what they're doing, it's going to be jumping all over them or whatever their problem is. So you have to be able to train them as well. Um, And I think people just think it's like, all fun or it's like super depressing that's the other (laughs) like it's either all fun you're training puppies or like oh my god you work in an animal shelter like I could never do that I would take them all home it's so sad it's so depressing and I have never felt that way I've always felt like these dogs have a second chance to find a new home maybe even a better home in a lot of cases I think Um, so I I don't see it as a, a, a negative I feel like people have a lot of misconceptions about dog behavior. They feel like they're smarter in ways that they're not and dumber in ways that they're not. I think that dogs are wonderfully complex in some ways, but they're also dumb in other ways. And um, they think that the animal is being vindictive a lot. I get that a lot, actually. Um, And in all honesty, they are convinced that the dog did that behavior because they were mad at the person. One, it's not actually being vindictive. Um, I don't really believe that dogs have that capability in their brain. Um, And if you think the dog is being vindictive, then it puts you and the dog at odds with each other. And instead of being in a cooperative relationship with each other, you're, you're butting heads basically. So I try to frame it that the dog either just is not getting what it needs or it doesn't understand what you want of it. That for me has really changed how I interact with dogs. It makes me a whole lot less frustrated um, than I was before. I really don't like to hear people say the dog is stubborn. I will say, he's probably just not properly motivated. That's how I like to frame things. It is important how we say things. Like positive trainers, we like to say cues instead of commands, just because it frames it in a different way. Um, Your head frame does matter. It matters how you're interacting with this dog. Um, So thinking about it as something you're asking the dog to do rather than telling them to do something changes how you interact with them. I want to show the dog what it is I want them to do. So in every given situation, rather than thinking, I don't want the dog to beg, I think, what would I rather this dog be doing right now than begging? You know, I like sharing my food with my dog if it's dog friendly. I just want them to not be in my face. You know, so it's all about you and what what do you feel comfortable with? What's okay to you? You know, I like my dogs being in the bed. I like them being on the couch. If you don't like that, that's fine too. There's no hard and set rules for how we live with our dogs. It's all about what bothers you, what can you live with. People are generally trying as hard as they can. They don't mean to be mean or negligent many times. When I come into something with a preconceived notion and then I talk to the people, I almost always find that I was wrong. Sometimes they are exactly like I think they're going to be. Sometimes maybe they're not 
educated uh, or they don't sound educated, but that doesn't mean what they have to say isn't valid or there's not some truth to what they're saying. So I've found that there is a lot of value to talking to people, just having a conversation, being kind and not judgmental, and they tend to open up. Especially when people want to rehome a dog, they will downplay what the issues are and just talking to them, I can kind of find out what's really going on. I think most people kind of know when there's something really wrong with a dog and they've been a lot kinder and more understanding, even though it hurts if they don't feel safe rehoming it. You know, we're not gonna feel safe rehoming it either. So I've been really surprised at just um, that people are as kind as they are, as appreciative as they are, even though I have really, you know, what are terrible conversations. It's not good to have to tell people that maybe their dog is not going to be a good pet for somebody else or, um, you know, that it, it might not make it out of the shelter. But they tend to be pretty understanding about that. So I... I don't come out of working at a shelter thinking that all people are terrible. I don't think that people that have to rehome their dog are terrible. I think that, you know, a lot of times there's really valid reasons and until you put yourself in their shoes, you can't really know what's happening. And, you know, I think people would be surprised at how upset people are when they have to rehome their animals. and. I think they just think they're thoughtless, cruel people, but um, it doesn't really do any good to think of people like that, and it's it's not true, and it doesn't allow me to do my job if I'm thinking that they're terrible people. I can't, you know, talk to them and get the information I need if I'm just judging them the whole time. So I think it's taught me to be kinder to people and more thoughtful, and to really listen to people. I do see myself working with dogs for the majority of my life. I can't say that I know that I'll do it forever just because I'm also a very artistic person. I do feel like I get to be creative in working with dogs, so I, I get some of that fulfilled. But sometimes I think my dream would be to open up a doggy daycare on a really big piece of land with a, a lake or something so we could take the dogs on hikes and maybe they'd have their own little private cabins um, and maybe if dogs were aggressive or dog aggressive we'd be, have a special setup for them because people with those kind of dogs have a really hard time finding some place that'll take it so you know, I'd like to come up with a boarding situation for people that have dogs that maybe traditionally couldn't go and then to run the daycare with the knowledge and thoughtfulness of a dog trainer so that I could actually maybe help the dogs interact better if they are maybe not great with other dogs. Um, I could help their owners understand better what's going on with them. I feel like people don't really know what they're looking at when they're watching their dogs play with other dogs. They either think everything is good or they think everything's bad. Um, so, you know, educating people on uh, what proper play looks like and, and how to shape better play with their dogs. You know, ultimately, what would be really awesome would be to combine that with maybe going back to my artwork, like being able to paint, 
maybe having like a little painting studio on that property. I think there's a way to combine, you know, all my dreams into into one thing. For now, I just feel like I'll, I like doing the shelter stuff. I think I have a lot more to learn. I, I feel content doing that, but yeah, I don't think shelter work will be for me forever because it is pretty stressful. I could see myself doing that and just being an old lady trainer puttering around on a bunch of property, maybe having some goats and chickens and stuff and just kind of, I don't know. Being, being an old country lady.